0: The following audio is from Jacobs Well Church. For more information about Jacobs Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. Today, we're actually going to start with a test, okay? Since we're in a school, that was appropriate to have a test. Statistically, in our congregation, if you include men, women, children, about half a percent of women suffer from color blindness. About 8% of men do. So that would be 16 out of 16 men in this congregation would suffer from colorblindness. So I won't ask you to raise your hand if you do, but, but colorblindness is something that's pretty prevalent in America. And so I went online and I looked up to see how can you tell if you have colorblindness. And so I have four slides for you, and this will help you determine if you are colorblind or not. Okay, you ready? So Jeremy, if you want to bring down the lights. And what we'll do is, don't go back. Go back on the slide. There we go. What happens is, we'll put the slide up for three seconds. And in those three seconds, you should be able to distinguish the colors or shapes uh, that are in that, okay? All right, so go ahead. Jeremy, bring it on the lights, if you would. What shapes do you see here? Circle, star, square, right? Okay, next slide. What shapes do you see? Gets a little bit harder. Circle and square. The square is easy to see. The circle is a little bit more difficult to see. All right, next slide. Square and circle. Some of you out there are panicking because you don't see any of this, but it's okay. All right, final, the last one is actually a shape, and it's either a, let me see, what are the options here? So, It's either a dog, a boat, a balloon, or a car. Okay, go ahead and go to last one. A boat. Good, good. Okay. Many of you passed, I take it. Some of you didn't. That's okay. We still love you. You're still welcome here at Jacob's Well. Um, We love colorblind people. Jesus is going to introduce to us a different kind of blindness today. He's going to talk to us about a more severe blindness, a more serious blindness, A blindness that affects all of us from conception. He's going to talk about spiritual blindness. The bad news is that, like I said, all of us are conceived and born spiritually blind. But the good news is that this blindness has a solution. It has a cure. It is 100% curable. And so we're going to look today at what it means to be spiritually blind and to have spiritual sight. If you would, please open up to John chapter 9. It's page 895 in the Red Bible. Page 895. If you're in the Children's Bible, it's page 1315, I believe. If you remember from last week, John 9, the first 13 verses start with Jesus and the disciples coming upon a blind, poor beggar, a man who has been blind from birth. And they come up to the man, and the disciples try to use the man for a theological discussion about the connection between suffering and, and, and sin. And so Jesus is not really interested in engaging in the conversation. What he's more interested in is healing the man and showing even the purposes that God might have in suffering. And so Jesus spits in the dirt, kneads it up into some mud, puts it on the man's eyes, And then tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now the pool of Siloam wasn't right there next to them. It was a little bit of a journey. And so the man goes, washes his eyes in the pool of Siloam, and then comes back seeing. His neighbors can't believe it. People who have seen him begging at the gate are astounded. They're overjoyed. They're rejoicing. And so naturally they take the man to the religious leaders. They take the man to the Pharisees to show them what God has done. And so that's where we pick up the story. John 9, we're going to read, actually, we're going to start in verse 13 through the end of the chapter. John 9, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? Now see. His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ... He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. That though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never. Since the world began, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you in desperate need for you to open the eyes of our heart, Lord God, that we might see you, that we might see your glory, that we might fall down in worship and in enjoyment of you. Lord, I pray if anyone here is spiritually blind, that this day you would do the miracle of giving them spiritual sight. And I pray if there's anyone here who has spiritual sight, but has not enjoyed you, as we have the privilege of doing, I pray this morning you would renew unto them the joy of their salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The Pharisees ask a great question. I don't think their motives were right, and we'll talk about that later, but they ask a great question. They asked Jesus, are we also blind? This is a question that all of us, hopefully, ask God. Are we also blind? And so... As we deal with that question and think about that question, we're going to take a test, kind of like that colorblindness test. You saw different things up here, and there were signs of whether you were colorblind or not. We're going to look through this passage and see signs of spiritual sight and signs of spiritual blindness so that you can diagnose, where are you at? Are you blind, or do you see? First, let's look at signs of spiritual blindness. The first sign we see as we walk through this passage is that those that are spiritually blind are blind to Jesus' identity. The the, the miracle that Jesus did was so overwhelming. So overwhelming and it's proof of who Jesus is. But you see here that the Pharisees were determined not to recognize Jesus for who he is. They were determined not to see the true identity of Jesus. They were determined, first off, to establish that Jesus is not from God. You see here in verse 13, it says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And then John gives us this important note in verse 14. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made, keyword, made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now let's start by getting a little bit of perspective. I want you to picture yourself being blind from birth, okay? Imagine what life would be if you were blind from birth. I mean, you couldn't do a lot of the routine things you do every day. Fortunately, in our society, we have means to help care for people who are blind. But in that day, Jesus' day, they didn't have a whole lot of that. And so he was stuck begging, okay? He was at least a teenager because he was of age. He might have been 20, in his 20s, 30s. We don't know. But he'd been blind for a long time, okay? And people had seen him. He was a beggar that people would recognize. His neighbors knew who he was. And all of a sudden, this man, Jesus, comes along. And he spits on the ground and he kneads up some dirt and makes it into mud and puts it on his eyes and tells him to go and wash and see. And he goes and does it. he comes back seen, And he comes back and the neighbors are rejoicing. They say, let's go tell the pastors. Let's go tell the Pharisees. Let's go tell the religious leaders. And so here they come. Guess what happened? Guess what this man Jesus did? I was blind, but now I see. And what would you expect? What would you expect? Celebration, praise, Delight! Rejoicing! This man was blind, but now he sees. But that's not how the Pharisees respond. The Pharisees say, hmm, how did he do this? They wanted to see, did did Jesus break any of the Sabbath laws in doing this on the Sabbath? And so did he. Did Jesus break Sabbath laws by healing this man on the Sabbath? Well, Jesus did break their Sabbath laws, but he didn't break God's Sabbath laws that are written in the Old Testament. You see, the Jews, and we talked about this in John 5 when Jesus healed the lame man, but the Jews had added to the Sabbath laws in the Old Testament, those that are given for our our good because God loves us. They added to him all of these stipulations. There's actually 39 additional stipulations of things that you could not do on the Sabbath, which was Saturday in the Old Testament. And one of the things that you could not do was carry your mat. And so when Jesus heals the lame man and tells him to pick up his mat and walk, they say, Jesus is a Sabbath breaker. Then in this passage, it's almost like Jesus was trying to challenge them on this. Then in this passage, Jesus spit, and he needs mud. Okay, like you need dough, and kneading was a Sabbath violation. Even for this, actually, spitting on the ground was a Sabbath violation because you might be making something grow, and it's doing work. And so Jesus is disobeying their Sabbath laws, but not God's Sabbath laws. And he heals the man, and so you see, they're determined to establish that Jesus is not from God. They can't see his identity. They don't want to see his true identity. They also want to establish that Jesus is not a miracle worker. You see here in verse 16 that they were divided over this because Jesus healed a man born blind, but he also did this on a Sabbath and didn't obey their rules. And then in verse 18, it tells us that the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And then the parents come and say, yes, this is indeed our son. Yes, indeed, he was born blind. And yes, he does indeed see. And so they could not dispute it any longer. But they were determined to show that Jesus was not from God, that Jesus was not a miracle worker. But the evidence was irrefutable. So where did they end up? Where did they end up? Well, we can see in verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and said to him, Give glory to God. We know, we know, we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Their conclusion, Jesus is not from God. Jesus is a sinner, even though he did this miraculous thing. This was the, this was the determination that they were pressing for. Because they knew if Jesus was indeed the Son of God, then they'd have to follow him. They'd have to worship him. The Pharisees willfully, stubbornly, blindly did not see Jesus' real identity. They saw parts of him. They they knew that he did something miraculous. They probably knew that he was a good teacher, that he was persuasive. But they couldn't determine, they refused to determine, that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. This past week, my family went to the Neville Museum downtown. And there's a, when you walk in, if you go to the right, there's kind of a children's area. And in that children's area, there are these boxes. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. There's these boxes, and over them, there's this covering, okay? And it's one of those things where you're supposed to blindly reach in there and feel the object to try to identify it. Have you ever done that before, where you try to reach in, you can't see it, and identify? It? I mean, those things always scare me. Because I think it's a rat that's going to bite me or something, and not that the Neville Museum would do that. But you know, it's scary, because you're reaching in there blindly to try to identify this object. So I reach in there, and this was the top one, so you can go test it out, see if it's the same, but I reach in there, and I'm feeling this hard uh, item. I don't know what it is. It's pointy. Um, it somewhat hurts if you grab it hard, and I, I couldn't identify it. And so finally, I pulled it out. And it was a plastic horse. Plastic horse. You know, many people are spiritually blind. And they're trying to identify Jesus. And they can see certain parts of him. They can see that he was a good guy, that he was a, that he was a teacher, that he was influential, that he loved people. But they're blind. They're blind to the identity of Jesus. They do not know anything more than the generic things about Jesus. They do not know him as their Lord. They do not know him as their Savior. So one sign of spiritual blindness is blindness to the identity of Jesus, that he is a miracle worker, the sinless Son of God, sent by God. Another sign of spiritual blindness is blindness to one's own identity. So not only blindness to Jesus' identity, but blindness to our own identity. Verse 28. The Pharisees, it says, reviled him, saying, you are Jesus' disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. The Pharisees put their hope in this fact that they were disciples, that their identity was as disciples of Moses. You see, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. And they were very important to the Jewish people. Many of them actually memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. And so when they claim to be Moses' disciples, whom they know God spoke to and spoke through, they are claiming this is our identity. This is our security. This is our standing. But here's the problem. They were not disciples of Moses. Because anyone that was a disciple of Moses... A true disciple of Moses would have become a disciple of Jesus. You actually see this early in Jesus' ministry. We read that Jesus found Philip, said to him, "Follow me." And then Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, "We have found him of whom Moses and the law." And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And so what he's saying is that we have read Moses, we have waited for this Savior to come, and he has finally come in Jesus. Jesus actually talks about this later in John 5, addressing the religious leaders. Jesus says, there is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. And then here it is. For if you believed Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote of me. The Pharisees were blind to the teachings of Moses. They were blind to their religious identity. They were blind to their standing before God. They were blind to their own sinfulness. They were blind to their own identity. They were blind to the identity of Jesus. And the scariest part is that these Pharisees were the leaders of the religious community They were the guides for the community. Jesus rebukes them in John 15 when he says to them, he says about them that they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Helen Keller, probably one of the most recognized blind people who ever lived, once said, what would be worse than being born blind is to have sight without vision. These Pharisees, they could see physically. But they had no spiritual vision. They had no spiritual sight. And they were the guides for the people. You know, this doesn't change throughout history. Throughout history, throughout Scripture, we see there are blind guides leading people. There are still blind guides today. People who claim to know Jesus. People who make movies about Jesus, who write books about Jesus, who pastor churches that belong to Jesus, who make important decisions about the credibility of the miracles of Jesus. There are teachers out there who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they are blind guides. And so as we hear teaching... We need to take the words of Jesus to to filter their teaching through it and see: does this teaching see Jesus? Do these people see Jesus? Are you spiritually blind? So those are the signs of spiritual blindness that we don't see the true, full identity of Jesus, and that we cannot even see our own identity. The second signs of spiritual sight, and just a side note: the bulletin is way off here. I. I messed it up, so you can follow along on the screen. Signs of spiritual sight. Just as there are signs of spiritual blindness, there are signs of spiritual sight. The first sign of spiritual sight is that we see our own true identity. That one sees his own identity. Just as a blind person doesn't see their identity, one who sees sees their own true identity. Look in verse 24. It said, for, so for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know, right? We know, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. In other words, this man at least knows that he doesn't know. Says, I don't know. I don't, he, he's actually never, he's never seen Jesus yet, when we get to this verse. So he says, I don't, I don't know if Jesus is a sinner. But one thing I do know I was blind, and now I see. This man understood the state of his condition, not only physically, but also spiritually. He knew he had a lot to learn. But the Pharisees were so sure of themselves. Apart from Christ, we are spiritually blind and we need his help. We'll get back to this actually more later. So the first sign of spiritual sight is seeing one's true identity. The second sign is seeing Jesus' true identity. What's really cool is as you walk through this passage, you see how this man's understanding of who Jesus is evolves. Okay, So it starts in verse 10. And the man's neighbors say to him, then how were you, your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus. So the first thing the man knows simply is that the man's name who healed him was Jesus. That's all he knows. But it continues. Verse 15. The Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And so he, he knows that Jesus is a miracle worker. Okay, so his his theology, his understanding of the identity of Jesus, is continuing to evolve. Verse seventeen. So they said again to the blind man, "What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes?" He said, "He is a prophet." Is this true? Is Jesus a prophet? Yes, Jesus is a prophet. He is a spokesman for God. He speaks for God. Christ executes the office of prophet by revealing to us by His word and spirit the will. Of God for our salvation. And so the man sees Jesus as a prophet. So he's continuing to understand more and more about Jesus. And then in answering the Pharisees in verse 31, the healed man says, We know that God does not listen to sinners. And so he seems to come along to figure out that Jesus is not a sinner. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so the man sees, even against the pressure of being kicked out of the temple, which would have been horrific, that Jesus is not a sinner, that Jesus does God's will, and that Jesus indeed has been sent by God. And then in verse 35, finally, Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, who is it? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. I love how Jesus throws that in. You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The man's seeing culminates in his seeing Jesus as the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ. One of the signs of spiritual sight is we grow in our knowledge and understanding and intimacy with Jesus Christ. 13 years ago, 12 years ago, somewhere between there, uh, my wife and I got married. Boy, that's a great way to start, isn't it? It was 2001, February 10th, so what is it, 12 or 13? 12 years, okay, thanks. Twelve years ago, I married my wife. And as I look back on it, I'm sitting here going, man, I knew nothing about her. (laughs) I knew she was a woman of godly character who loved the Lord. But I can say without, I mean, we have our ups and downs. Please don't get me wrong. We have our ups and downs, just like any married couple. But I can say without hesitation, I know and love and appreciate my wife today more than I did five years ago. And five years ago, I can say without hesitation, that I knew and loved and appreciated my wife more five years ago than I did ten years ago. You see, if you are in a relationship with someone, you continue to discover who they are. And you get to see the beauty or the heinousness of them. And so with Trish, I continue to grow and evolve and understand what an amazing mother she is. At the beginning, she was an amazing teacher, a great wife, and she just continues to show me more of herself as I continue to discover who she is and continue to go down that path. It's the same way with Christ. As we gain spiritual sight, our vision of him should grow and it should become, he should become more beautiful and more glorious towards, to us. As we get to see him, Maybe it starts and Jesus is a savior, and he's glorious, and He's great because of that. but then you find out that Jesus is Lord. You go through a difficult time in your life and you find out, wow, Jesus, through His Holy Spirit, is a great comforter. Maybe you wander, and Jesus chases you down, and you find out Jesus is the good shepherd. And so your, your understanding, your sight, your vision, your clarity of Him, clarity of Him, continues to evolve and he, be, he continues to grow more beautiful to you. I have a diagram up here. Jason created this, so we'll see what it looks like. This is from the Gospel-Centered Life by World Harvest Mission. Many of you went through this with us, uh, let's see, I think it was two summers ago. But you see here really what is being conveyed in this passage, that, that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, That we should have a growing awareness of God's holiness, which includes includes Christ. A growing awareness of God's holiness and a growing awareness of our flesh and sinfulness. And as we grow, the cross becomes bigger. Jesus becomes more beautiful and he becomes more glorious. So we have studied the signs of spiritual blindness. Not truly seeing Jesus' identity or our own identity. We have studied the signs of spiritual sight growing in a true understanding of ourselves and a true understanding of Jesus. But finally, we need to talk about the cure for blindness. And this is probably the most important question. What must be done for the spiritually blind to see? Well, the first answer comes In the end of this passage, well, the first answer we're going to look at comes near the end of this passage, and it's a confusing dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees. So I want to read through it slowly with you and kind of examine it as we go. So look in verse 40 with me, if you would. Some of the Pharisees near him, near Jesus, heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Now, they weren't asking in humility. Uh, And you see it from Jesus' response. They weren't saying, are we blind, Jesus? Because show us that we are blind so that we can see. This wasn't the posture of their question. Their question was to trap Jesus. If they could get Jesus to insult them, then they could gain more people to hate Jesus and oppose Jesus. All right. And if you've seen anywhere in Scripture, Jesus gives a response that is just unbelievable, that turns everything on the dime. And that's what he does here. Verse 41 Jesus said to them, if you were blind, in other words, if you recognized your spiritual blindness, if you realized your lost condition, if you knew that you did not know, if you cried out for illumination, he says you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, we see, we know, we understand, we're satisfied with our interpretation of the Old Testament as as disciples of Moses. Now that you say, we see, Your guilt remains. So what we see here is that the Pharisees are blind to their own blindness. And that's the most devastating blindness they have. Because they never want to be diagnosed. Or they never want to be treated because they don't understand their own blindness. They are too arrogant, too self-reliant to confess their own spiritual blindness. So the first thing is to admit our spiritual blindness. And to go seeking a cure. The second thing that must be done to receive spiritual sight is something not by, done by us, but something done by Christ. Look in verse 35 with me, if you would. It says Jesus heard that they had cast the man out, just like they said that they would. They said, If anyone claims Jesus is the Christ, he will be cast out of the synagogue. And he was. And it says, And having found him, meaning that Jesus sought him out, searched for him, found him. He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And so the second thing that must happen for us to receive spiritual sight is that Jesus must seek us out. That Jesus, the great optometrist of our soul, must come and heal us. Jesus sought this man out when he was Physically blind, and he sought him out when he was spiritually blind. A few weeks ago, uh, me and a couple dads took our kids to the blizzard game in the football indoor football blizzard game. And you know, between kind of timeouts and during timeouts and between you know on breaks, they have these games, these goofy, silly games that they have, right? Um, like like pushing a huge beach ball to the other end of the field, things like that. Well, one of the games they they, they blindfolded this guy, all right? And I can't remember what they put out on the field. I think it was a pizza box. I'm not sure. Um, but they put something out there, and this guy had to find the pizza box, okay? And so they blindfold him, and he gets out there, and he's down there on all fours. And it's just, it's just painful to watch. It's humiliating, because there he is. He's looking for the pizza box, and he's reaching, and he's grasping, and he's like 20 yards away from it. And so he keeps searching and looking and looking and looking, and the crowd's shouting, trying to get him to come hit this way or that way, and he's searching and looking, but he's nowhere close. So the time starts to expire, and the woman that is running the event picks up the pizza box, puts it right next to him, and he still can't find it. (laughs) So she picks it up, and she pushes it in his face. Here it is. And finally, he grabs it, pulls off his blindfold, holds up the pizza box like he did something cool. Is this not the story for every Christian that we have reached and grasped to find life, to find satisfaction, to find joy in the things of this world, but we have been so far off. And it isn't until Christ has come to us to give us a vision, to give us sight through his grace and mercy, that we have seen the glory of God. This is the story of Christ. This is the gospel that while we were blind, he came to this world. He sought us out, he pursued us. He came down from heaven to seek out spiritually blind people, to give them sight, to absorb their sinful, rebellious blindness and save them and bring them into a relationship with him so that through the Holy Spirit he can renew their spiritual sight. You may think that you are here today because you are in search of God. But I would contest that you are here today because God is in search of you. God is seeking you out. God seeks out poor, blind beggars and then pours out his grace upon them. Let me end with this. At the end of this passage, before that conversation. Jesus comes to the healed man and says, do you believe in the son of man? The healed man responds, Lord, I believe. And then it says he worshiped him. The natural response of a spiritually blind person is to worship. A spiritually blind person, excuse me, who has been given sight. The natural response is to worship. D.L. Moody tells a story of three girls who were in the big city, and it was Christmas time. And so they were going from window to window to window during Christmas time to see the cool things in the windows. You know how that that goes. You've probably done it before. And so the three girls would move from window to window to window, and every time they would come upon a new window, their faces would light up because they would see the beautifully dressed mannequin, or they would see the really neat toys, or they would see the teddy bear, or the princess, or the candy spread out. Whatever it is, they would go, and they would see, and their faces would light up except for one of them, the middle one. Her face was emotionless. It was expressionless because she was blind. She could not see the glory of the gift that was inside. You know, when we come to church, when we sing songs, when we hear God's words, is our soul motionless? Is it expressionless? Is it passionless? Could it be because you have not seen the gift of our Savior? You have not seen the glory of Christ. As we turn to communion now, as we turn to singing, and then as we turn to go living, let us respond as this man does. As one who has been blind but has given sight, let us go with overwhelming, joyful, hedonistic delight in God. Because once we were blind, but now we see. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us sight. We were just blind beggars, searching, scrambling, grasping, until you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to seek us out. Lord God, pray that you would continue to clarify the vision of our spiritual sight, that we might see you with more glory and more beauty, and we might delight in you more extravagantly. Help us to know more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.